Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football right here on On Texas Football. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every morning by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of Inside Texas and On 3. And guys, we're going to jump right into it. Sark had a press conference yesterday. Jerry, I know yesterday morning you and I kind of talked about some things that we were hoping to hear. One of those things was injury updates, and Sark addressed some of those. So I'm going to let you uh, give your takeaways from that. Yeah, I'll do that. But first, I got to say happy Balloween. I mean, everybody, landscape. <laughs> so happy Balloween to everybody out there on the uh, on the uh, live stream and the coffee and football this morning. But yeah, no, I think the big my big takeaway was who was week to week because Sark's pretty transparent about the injuries. Um, and uh, uh, Jalen Cattle, we expected Quinn to be week to week. Ethan Burke is not going to play this week. He's week to week. But we, I think I was more hoping to hear that Jalen Catalan was removed from week to week and that Sark would say he's starting to go through practice. Uh, but it doesn't feel like, Bobby, that he's going to be available this weekend either since he listed him as week to week with Quinn and Ethan Burke. So let's just say those three guys are out. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I, I feel like, it, look, Sark is very coy about injuries uh, unless he doesn't need to be, right? Uh, and so uh, I felt like uh, other than just him using the term physical five to ten times uh, and the need for it against Fan Kansas State, other than him doing that uh, on Monday's press conference, I don't think it was very uh, – it didn't release a ton of information, right? right? Um, and Which is a okay. good thing, less of an injury report, right? Yeah, less of an injury report. That means that – uh, all the all the defensive backs other than Catalan should be available. We're checking on uh, Keaton Crawford a little bit just to make sure everything's fine there. Uh, but uh, the the <laughs> you misspelled finish manscaping. <laughs> the uh, the idea here for me uh, in what we've heard thus far is this is a huge week for Texas. Uh, this is the team, in my opinion, that has the best chance of being as good as Texas in the big 12 right now, other than Oklahoma state uh, right now. I mean, so the Cowboys are playing a great band of ball. The Wildcats are playing a great band of ball. Texas and OU are also four and one. Uh, and, you know, Texas has either blown people out or played a couple of close games, but we know the Longhorns have the talent, right? Yeah. And so this is the, this is the week we find out if the talent is going to congeal enough and execute at a high enough level uh, that uh, it, it'll be meaningful. I mean, Kansas State right now coming off of two straight games where, I mean, I told Jerry this this morning, they, their last two games, they're combined 82 and three in, on the scoreboard. Yeah. I mean, so they, they're, they are, whether, whether they can do that against better teams is a different story, but make no mistake, they are, they're hitting on all cylinders. And so Texas uh, ha, has always uh, respected Kansas State since the early 2000s, I think, really, when, Texas uh, and Kansas State became good under Bill Snyder. Uh, that caused some issues in the the, the mid two thousands to late uh, to two thousand tens. But Texas has won the last six, I believe, um, since Charlie Strong lost up there in uh, in Manhattan twenty three to nothing on you know really uh, just dominated by by the Wildcats. Since then, Texas has kind of had uh, the Wildcats number, uh, whether it's been a kick return or a punt return uh, from uh, different folks, uh, just different ways to find their way into the winner's column. Uh, and uh, we'll see how it goes this weekend. I'm I'm pretty excited about it. I think that, uh, you know, the question I have is, uh, where is Malik Murphy going to go in this game, Jerry and Blake? Mm -hmm. uh, both of you guys, uh, if, if this were Quinn Ewers, I would have a very clear picture 
of how I think Texas would win this game. Okay. And Rod, I, I, Jerry, I know you and Rod talked about it yesterday on Talking Ball, how Rod and you think there's a clear, still a clear picture uh, to how Texas can win this game. Um, but I'm not, uh, I, I want to, I want to make sure that part of that is Malik still taking care of the ball and making big throws in big moments because he's going to have to do that on Saturday. It can't just be, oh, we're going to lean on the run game. He's going to have to throw it a little. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I'm, it, it was interesting. Uh, Rod and I were talking yesterday on, on Talking Ball uh, that's up on the YouTube channel about how o- what Oklahoma State did successfully against Kansas State. Uh, they ran a bunch of trips formations and made that three hide declare. Um, and then Mike Gundy found his man coverage and attacked that spot, but they really ran the ball. Now, all so it's going to be hard to do for for a, a rookie quarterback to find yeah. the guy in man coverage. Well, well, I think the hard, I think the toughest thing, and we were talking about yesterday, the toughest thing going into this game is Sark is, and he did it, you know, he did it when he had to two years ago. But ideally, Sark doesn't want to run it 55, 56 times in a game and throw it 15, 16. And that may be the best way to uh, uh, combat Kansas State because I believe Kansas State is going to watch that Wyoming game. We can do that with better players and better quarterbacks, and we're going to choke the clock, and we're going to walk out of Austin with 36 minutes and 12 seconds time of possession, and we're going to win the game. Um, I think that's what they're going to plan to do in this game. Um, I think they're going to uh, get Jalen Ford in conflict, attack the uh, attack in certain areas um, in the run game, and uh, try to take a couple shots at the safeties deep in the pass game over the top of it, uh, and and try to control the clock. I mean, they're third in the country in third down uh, com- uh, percentage conversion percentage at fifty six point three. The only way you're at fifty six three is if you have a bunch of third and shorts, um, and that's what their game plan is going to be. So uh, to me, there's two keys for Texas. In this game, they're going to tell the story. Uh, Malik Murphy, no turnovers, first down run defense. First down run defense is huge Saturday. Hey, uh, Jerry, a couple of recruiting news and notes that you've uh, uh, gone over and talked about. Uh, First of all, Elijah Lofton, uh, the tight end out of Bishop Gorman uh, in Las Vegas, expected to be in this weekend. That was a guy that Texas recruited in the off season in the back in the summer and ended up committing to, to Miami never made his Texas official visit. Now he's coming in during football season uh, for the K state game. He's going to be joined possibly by some other high ranking guys too, uh, that you uh, uh, released on inside Texas yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Justin Wells and I've compiled a visitors list, uh, but Elijah Lofton's an interesting prospect because if you just pull up his recruiting page, Blake, it says 6'1 and about 215, right? Um, it, it, there you see it, 6'1, 215. But he's a long levers guy. Oh, so long he's. Long. Probably, I watched him last night, Jerry. Yeah, he's a plus six wingspan guy, pretty sure, all, based on my research. So you're talking about a guy that plays 6'4 in the block when he's a blocker, which is what matters here. He's not being taken as a down the field pass catching threat. That's Jordan Washington. Elijah Lofton, if they could flip him from Miami, would be the blocker in the run game on the perimeter, has some versatility, some things you can do with him uh, as a tight end, as a slot in the run game. I mean, he's got a lot of position versatility, Bobby, and he would bring something where Jatavion Sanders is struggling right now. No doubt. 
I mean, Jatavian Sanders is really, uh, you know, if, Jet, if Jatavian doesn't go in the first two rounds, Jerry, it's going to be going to be strictly because of his uh, lack as a his yep. failing right now as a blocker. And I, I use failing lightly because I don't think he's a complete failure. Just it is a little bit of a, a you know, we got to watch this because he's not they're not going to to he's not going to be able to be an inline tight end with how he's performing right now. That means he has to be a Travis Kelsey type where nine times out of 10, they're, they're putting him in the slot. Yeah. And I don't know if he's quite as athletic as a guy like Travis Kelsey to, to, to give him that level. Uh, I will say this about uh, the young man, Elijah Lofton. Jerry, I watched him last night, bud. Uh, I think he has a little bit more juice downfield than, than people yeah. might appreciate, even though you're saying, obviously, Jordan Washington could be that guy. I will add this. I literally could see him playing in the same position and in the same role as J- uh, Jordan Whittington. He he has longer arms, is a better blocker in space than Jordan Whittington will be because he has longer arms. He's just as quick, and he's bigger. And, and I he is vicious as an edge blocker in space yeah. because he's so quick, Jerry. Um, a lot of people like you know. Texas has taken small tight ends before. Juan Davis is one of them. He's an undersized tight end. But Juan Davis has a small frame. Right. He's a small frame tight end. This guy's a much thicker uh, frame tight end. And I think you can run him in this. I think he may be just about an ideal H-back. Yes. You want another 100%. 100% agree. Uh, he's, he's good enough in pass. Hey, Jerry, what about uh, uh, the other guys potentially coming in? I'm sorry to... Yeah, no, no, I just no, want to no, say no, that about no, no, no. That's no, that's good. Great conversation. That's what we're here to, to do is inform people. Um, but yeah, so you know, Texas invited Dominic McKinley and his brother Darius. We'll see what happens. Uh, the problem Texas has is 11 a.m. kick. Once they got that 11 a.m. time slot, it's a little tougher. Um, it's one thing if a kid's making an official visit and he flies in right late Friday night, coming from the West Coast. Um, but you know, if you're driving in, let's say. Uh, on a Saturday, that 11 a.m. kick is is an issue. Um, so we'll we'll see. Um, is it true he's visiting this weekend? We don't. He's been invited. Him and his brother have been invited. Uh, we were first reported that at Inside Texas uh, Monday morning. We'll see if they actually come. Um, though uh, that all depends on the Friday night football schedule on Saturday. If you have any team activities on Saturday, you have to be at with 11 a.m. kick. If you do, you're out. Uh, but we'll see what happens. I mean, that's still light conversation in Texas um, and, and the McKinley's. Uh, Dom and I reported this last week. Dominic did reach out to Texas last week, so he's keeping the lines of communication open. Uh, but that's light right now. But Texas invited him just like they've um, and uh, just like they've invited T.J. Lindsey. So the one thing we know is they they stay on so their guys. And T.J. Lindsey had said he was a possibility to uh, visit this weekend, but again, 11 a.m. kick makes it a little tough if you're flying in from Tampa. Uh, so we'll, we'll we'll see what happens there. Some 2025, I think they're interesting. That are Michael Fasusi will be back in Austin Saturday. Dylan Battle, a D lineman from Mansfield Timberview, will be back in Austin. Uh, Max Granville is a maybe. He's an edge kid out of Fort Bend Christian. His dad, Billy Granville, played for the Oilers. He's been offered by everybody this year. Um, he is a 6'3", 210-pound kid who can really get after it off the edge. Uh, he's a maybe. Uh, you know, so what we'll, we'll see is that Zion Williams from Lufkin's a maybe. So we'll see as that list will build out more Wednesday, Thursday with some of these kids that are within driving distance if they're going to make it or not. It's interesting, though, Texas with, with McKinley 
And I mean, Elijah Lofton, we haven't even thought about him in right. months, Jerry. Right. And all of a sudden he pops back on the radar after he's committed to, to, to Miami. This just goes to show this is Sark's MO. Don't yeah. give up on the guys you believe in. Yeah. I mean, you say recruit through the whistle. I just, I mean, just hell, they like Elijah Lofton. That's that's the reality of life. Yeah. And they're gonna stay after him. And so guys like this pop, pop up. Uh, Will, I do want to ask you one other question. We got to do a, 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 an advertisement real quick uh, after this, but I want to ask you about Isaiah Williams. There's a lot of talk about Ryan Wingo, Jerry, uh, when he committed. What did that do to Texas's pursuit of Isaiah Williams, the wide receiver out of Carol Wood Day, who is Solomon Williams' teammate? At one point, Texas looked like they were going to try to bring him in in a visit. W what's going on right now with him? Yeah, I talked to Isaiah um, Sunday. I actually put something out this morning on Inside Texas. He, and I kind of kept this uh, quiet for a little bit, but he was scheduled to make an official visit for the BYU game. Uh, Texas, did, Texas did not end up bringing him in. Um, and it's twofold. Um, but more importantly, it's more – everybody should be like, oh, it's Ryan Wingo related. It's Ryan Wingo related. I, I don't think so. But I think with Ryan Wingo coming on board, now Texas probably – tries to just make a run at Ryan Williams, even though they're not, it's a long, long, long shot um, right now. Uh, so we'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens, but Texas seemingly they offered Isaiah Williams. They had an official visit scheduled for BYU. They did not end up bringing him in. We'll see that weekend. We'll see if they revisit that at any point in time with Ryan Williams, not coming in last weekend with KJ Lacey. Um, we'll, we'll see what Texas does here. at receiver late in this 24 cycle. Could just wait for the portal. Yeah, we'll just wait for the board. Hi, Bobby. Before we move on, I'm going to let you tell everybody about that sponsor. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, Home Field Apparel. Uh, you've heard us talk about them since the start of the football season. Uh, there are a lot of collegiate apparel brands out there, uh, that, but we wanted to partner with Home Field because their designs are the best. Uh, some of On Texas's favorites are the 1883 Vintage logo, home of the Longhorns Ringer Tee, and the taste Texas Baseball Script T. Blake, that one's for you, buddy. Uh, be sure to go to homefieldapparel.com, filter by Texas, and see what we're talking about. Our listeners get an exclusive deal using code ONTEXAS23, so check it out. ONTEXAS23 gets you 15% off your first order. We know you're all wearing UT gear to the game, including this weekend. I'll be in, in the DKR uh, watching the Wildcats uh, take on the Longhorns. So if you're in need of a refresh, we really think you should check out Home Field Apparel, their designs are super unique, and a lot of thought goes into each and every concept. There's really nothing else on the market like what Home Field is doing. You can find them at homefieldapparel.com. And again, use code ONTEXAS23 for 15% off your first order. We appreciate them uh, for their ongoing sponsorship of coffee and football. That's homefieldapparel.com. All right, guys, we got lots of time to get questions in, so please ask away, and we'll get to those here in a second. But one of the other things that I wanted to touch base on uh, again today, college football playoff rankings. Oh, yeah. Out this evening. Uh, Sark had some comments on that yesterday. We you know, we posted some bowl projections this morning on the Coffee and Football thread over at Inside Texas. But what are y'all expecting as far as those rankings go, what range maybe do you think Texas might be in? And what, what are your takes on Sark's comments yesterday? Yeah, I think, uh, obviously, I think there'll be six or seven, right? I mean, that's what it looks like. Um, uh, I, I'm interested to see where is Michigan one. I, I Look, I 
that one's going to be fascinating to me. What do they do with Michigan right now? Um, I, Bobby, I mean, that the committee's in a tough spot on that one with Michigan to start before we ever get to Texas because it's going to be hard to rank them even if they go undefeated in the top four. If They I'm- scouted a team in season illegally. I find I think the college football committee is going to have a tough job with Michigan if they keep staying undefeated. I would have a hard time ranking them in the top four. Based, I think that I think that committee has to just go with what they see on the football field. I think the NCAA needs to step in. Yeah, they're going to have. Otherwise, the college football the college football playoff committee doesn't need to get into conjecture about allegations and whatnot. Um, So I don't have any. I think they're going to rank them one or two. a question would be is who's going to be ranked one if it's not them? Yeah. You know, Ohio State, Georgia. Yeah. I think probably Georgia. Yeah. I think, um, so I think those are those look like the, the top three teams to me right now, by the way. Yeah, those are the top three. Um, then you have Washington and you have Florida State at four or five. Then at probably Oregon six, Texas seven. Yeah, I think Florida State's I, I would put for having watched them now. I think they have uh, a little spine uh, on I, – I think adding Jaheim Bell has really helped them on offense. I, I think I would put Florida State ahead of Washington at this point. Washington leaves a little bit to be desired on defense. Uh, hey, by, right the way, by the way, if Texas fans, if you're looking for a college um, – uh, uh, I can't think of my word uh, – for um, Elijah Loft, the comparison, Jaheim Bell's your guy. Yeah. There's yeah. your perfect comparison. Watch Florida State, Jaheim Bell. That's uh, the closest thing to Elijah Lofton playing college football right now. Uh, but yeah, I agree. Um, Washington will be Washington probably top four with the or Oregon win over FSU. I would say so. Um, that, I would think that's probably correct. Washington four, um, then uh, FSU five, Oregon six, Texas seven. Makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, but Texas has the better win than Oregon does. But are, are they just going to look at Oregon and say Oregon's playing better football right now? Well, hey, I, I will say this. Uh, I'm going to say this. The uh, the playoff committee will take into consideration injuries. Yeah. They said that early on uh, back when this, this thing first got started 10, 15 years ago. They're going to take into consider consideration key injuries. Does Texas beat Alabama at Alabama with Malik Murphy at quarterback? So – I wouldn't be surprised if Texas anywhere from six, Jerry, to 10 or 12. I, I just would I 10 to 12 would kind of shock me a little bit. Six to 10 wouldn't. I don't, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, just fair, fair, uh, fair game there. Um, hey, uh, a couple other things. This leads me to we're talking about college football generally, Blake uh, and Jerry. Blake, did you get a chance to listen to Dabo Sweeney yesterday? <laughs> okay, a few uh, times. <laughs> you got to you got to tell us what you thought of that because I, Jerry and I just did the eye roll because we have I don't want to say we have a little bit of contempt for uh, Dabo Sweeney uh, because of some of the things he's always it's kind of one of those holier than now guys. What what were your thoughts? If that's kind of I know that's not your first experience with him, but. Play it out for the fans and describe what happened last night. Yeah, so for those that don't know, a, a guy, or I don't know if it's a younger kid, because he kept he kept condescendingly calling a, a kid, and a smart Alec kid, to put it elegantly, uh, is, is what he kept calling the caller. 
But the guy called in. He's basically like, yo, you're making $4.4 million a year. What's the deal here, Dabo? And Dabo just lost it and went on this five-minute tirade. On you know, And it's like one of those phone call-in shows with the coach. And he just went off on this guy and people in general and talking about how he worked himself, you know, from the bottom all the way up, which is great and all. You know, don't get me wrong. But I think it was just the matter that he he came across, you know, like it was so condescending. And like you said, he has that holier than thou image uh, that he always tries to put on a charade, in, in my opinion. But what it is what it is. Um, and I think last night we got to see or hear rather uh, some of the true Dabo <laughs> that, that probably comes out, you know, a little bit more in private than in public. And for those that haven't heard it, you need to go listen to it. It's, it's five minutes, so we won't go through the whole thing. But man, I just it it cracked me up because, like you said, it's just that holier than thou type thing, and then you finally got to see those true colors really come out. So I thought it was funny. I I don't have a problem. I, I listened to it too. I don't have a problem, Blake, with him uh, being defensive about some things, but he took it to a whole another no, level. Jerry and I have talked about this. Dabo reminds us a lot, and I, and take I want to say this the right way. It reminds us of a lot of a young Mac Brown, right, Jerry? I yeah. Mean, a, a younger Mac Brown in that he really, when things are going his way, he appears to be, you know, uh, you know, very model representative of your program, has a certain way of doing things, wants it to be all about the team and, and player development. When things go south, though, you start seeing some cracks in that veneer, Right. Um, and people start questioning him. He's not a guy that takes questioning real well. And that's one of the reasons why I think Mac, you know, as good as he was at Texas, and I thank him for it, and he knows this, um, he, he, when the cracks started happening to him, you finally got to see what was going on underneath the water. If, like if you see a duck and you're, you're seeing this guy glide along the water, when Mac started losing, you started seeing the, the ugly stuff that was under the water. You know, with the feet moving really fast in different directions and trying to keep up. And so I think Dabo may be going through a little bit of that right now himself. What do you think, Gary? My problem problem with Dabo is he's left what made him successful. And every coach I've ever seen that left what made him successful in recruiting fall. Um, You know, Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence were Georgia guys. Sammy Watkins, C.J. Spiller were Florida guys. Sammy Watt, I mean, he, I'm not sure he's recruiting the same guys he was. He's, he's going not, to California to get a quarterback in Austin, Texas to get a quarterback. I mean, he went for DJ Ungalele and then now to, to Austin for Kate Klubnik instead of just trying I, to find the guy in the Carolinas or in Georgia or Florida where it's more endemic to, to that culture and what – what he wants to be, and it can help recruit more players from that area for him. And I think he's made recruiting easier on himself, kind of like Mac did later at Texas. And he's and that is when you leave what got you there. Oh, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I don't want to deal with that anymore. Okay, well, you're not going to win as much anymore. Uh, eventually, you won't have as much talent on the front seven uh, as you've had. Um, they're void of the skill talent they need right now at Clemson after winning two national championships. That only happens with all those facilities and the guy's a great recruiter if you leave or walk away from what got you there. It's the only way it happens. 
It's not I, like they forgot how to evaluate players that run 10-5 suddenly from Southwest Florida. Yeah. Hey, here's the other piece. Here's the other piece to that. And I wrote this down. Antiquated approach to the portal. Oh, it's bad. I mean, they didn't take one for what two years? Yeah. I mean yeah. that or if they did, it was a I think it was like a second string guy that wanted to come back home or something. They you can't do that in today's day and age, uh, and and uh put out a quality team. He's got what has he got four conference losses now? Yeah. Uh, by the way, we have a lot of Corey Gibson questions. Look, I mean, one Corey Gibson is out with a knee injury, so he had he already had surgery, ACL injury. I'm not sure how much with that ACL. I saw him walking at Lancaster High last Monday. I was there wearing a big knee brace. Um, I think I think if Corey picked up the phone and called Texas, they would take him. But I'm not sure Texas is pursuing him as hard as they are Wardell, Mac, Xavier, Phil, same, Kobe Black after that knee injury. So just something to keep in mind there with Corey and. Uh, and I think he feels, uh, you know, when I was there last week, he said none of the reasons I was told none of the reasons he com- committed to Clemson in the first place have changed um, as far as what he was looking for. And I think there's some loyalty there from the uh, he feels with the Clemson side sticking with him through his knee injury. All right, guys, before we move on, we got a couple other questions about other schools. So I want y'all to get y'all's take on those. And first, we're going to go back to the college football playoff real quick. PJ says, who gets left out of Michigan, Florida State, Washington, Texas, and Bama went out? No SEC? I think Michigan's going to get left out. I just don't think – I don't think they're going to be in the playoff. I just don't see it. It's too egregious. They're st- we're only first of November. It's a long time uh, until the playoff. I, I think people are going to act swiftly on this, and I don't think they're going to play in the playoff, even if they go undefeated. I could be wrong. I just don't think it's happening. It's too agreed. I, I don't think you can have a game in season where you go and scout an opponent and don't get dinged in season. If if now if it was for past transgressions and it had, you know, even though some of those same coaches and their signals haven't really changed much in the last year or how they signal them in, I, I think you have to do something about it in season. If the otherwise the NCAA just continues to be the feckless organization it is. So maybe we should put that at a 90% chance that Michigan actually does play in the playoff. If you're relying on the NCAA to do anything for you, give up. I mean, they this they, bag, fiddled, they fiddled while Rome burned for 40 years. I mean, 40 years, they did. I mean, I, I, I go back to when I was in school and there needed to be changes back then. Nothing. I, I So I agree with Bobby. I think this is so... Well, let's put SMU on... Let's put SMU on death penalty. That's great. I mean, yeah. they deserved it, um, in my opinion. But, geez, I mean, you can't do this, Jerry. You can't, I, you yeah, can't I, out and out cheat the game. It's one thing recruiting, re- paying players happens multiple places. Multiple places, yes, they try to steal signs. They don't buy tickets and have a sign stealing scheme. I mean, I can tell you, every college coach looks at you cross-eyed when you hear about that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I agree with Bobby on the NCAA historically. I just think this is so egregious. And look at what we know now, which means what are we going to know a month from now? I just I, – I think this is going to be the one time, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, I, and maybe it's just that I think Michigan deserves it based on everything we're hearing, but I think it's going to be the one time there's going to be too much push on this 
Um, I think Michigan's going to get left out. Yeah, they he Harbaugh Jerry completely. The a guy asked that question of him in a press conference uh, in the last twenty four hours here, and Harbaugh basically says, uh, "The team feels really good. We're focused on our." You know, he did. He totally listened to it, took it in, thought about it for ten seconds, and then did not address it. Yeah, because he knows. Any answer is the wrong answer because what he did was wrong. Well, here's the thing. Don't answer it at all and go on to the next question and say, (laughs) oops, my guy's effed up or I effed up because this guy, and for him to claim no knowledge of it, what a joke. Here's the other thing. If it wasn't bad, why did they remove Connor Stallions immediately? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's bad. All right. right, uh, Hey, uh, Blake, the other thing that I found funny in college football, and I know we're not talking enough about Texas here, uh, but I do want to mention uh, our friend uh, over in Oxford, Mississippi, Lane Kiffin, gave us a little lighthearted comment yesterday, a little backhanded slap at the Aggies, uh, talking about, yeah, they do more with, uh, they do less with more than anybody in the country. Uh, Lane Kiffin is the price that keeps on giving, or the, the, the gift that keeps on giving uh, in Oxford, Mississippi, the the, uh, the Rebels take on uh, Texas A&M this weekend. Uh, Rebels right now, uh, you know, look look good, but uh, A&M, uh, he is concerned about their defense, but uh, not so sure he's concerned about them overall, which is interesting. Yeah, and he's, like you said, the gift that keeps giving, and I'm sure if he gets the chance to run the score up a little bit, he will this weekend. No doubt about it. All right, guys, we got lots of Super Chats that we need to knock out, so we're going to just go ahead and jump right into those. Uh, This first one here from Blake, and not me, uh, but he says, how many A performances do you think a good team has in them in a given season? I think Texas has had two at best and is due for one or two more. I think uh, outside of a drop pass or two against Alabama, that was pretty close to an A performance because of, it was on the road against Alabama and the Sarks point, you know, 51-1 and one and the worst home loss in Nick Saban uh, is history uh, as the coach at Bama. And, you know, as long as Bama like, – Bama's got a huge game Saturday. LSU's coming to town. If Bama gets through that one, they're going to go ele- probably going 11-1, and one, not discounting the Iron Bowl at Auburn. Anything can happen, but – um, you know, that's a good win. Uh, I think Texas played close as close to an A game as you can on the road in game two um, at the start of season. I would say after that, I mean, Bama, I mean, Baylor, I meant Baylor, but Baylor is bad. I mean, they did, they did offensively against Kansas. You know, they did offensively against Kansas. I mean, they still beat – they still thumped Kansas and had 661 yards against Kansas. And Kansas did just beat Oklahoma, even though it's, you know, that was still a home game. Um, but I mean, they played one this year to me, Alabama. I mean, Baylor to me, just that, that's not what I look at as an A game because Baylor's so bad. I agree with this, that what Blake's statement is here, though. You normally play two or three of them. Yeah. I mean, like, how many times does Georgia really get up? Yeah. Right. Like, I'll give you an example. Michigan was in a college football playoff game last year, and they came out flat against TCU. Or right? didn't have signs. Yeah, I mean, and uh, – or didn't have their signs. Yeah, that may be more like it. Uh, the, the other piece of it is, uh, you know, I I would say three times a year you, you, you expect to get your absolute A game from a team. Uh, now, 
there are teams that are more consistent, right, over the course of a year, and that generally wins out. Uh, Texas has been fairly consistent overall, uh, but uh, I think that's a good take. Like, yeah, you know, even pro football team. I mean, the 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 Chiefs just lost to the Broncos. I mean, they won like sixteen in a row. Um, even pro football teams sometimes get caught, you know. Yeah. So I, I think that's a that's an interesting question that I I think maybe we should. That's like something I can dive into in the off season because I've got a good memory for the games and I've still got some of them on DVR. And really, when Texas said this is our best, like a, a couple of OU games, typically Texas plays has played their best in some years when they weren't supposed to be that good, right? Uh, and so that's 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 a great question. Hi guys, this next chat is from Jay Lee. I want to thank Jay, and he says, without using the word talent. Please explain why Texas is better than Kansas State and why they should beat Kansas State based on how both teams are currently playing. Well, I, I would say this, um, and, and, I, and I brought up the stats. I mean, Kansas State hasn't played against a defense the level of Texas this year. One. Um, look, U of H is ranked 102, TCU 79, Oklahoma State 99, UCF 107, Missouri 45, Texas Tech 51. Um, this is going to be the – and I'm, you have to use the word most talented, best defense uh, that Kansas State's gone up against the combination of this year. And does that mean I think Texas is a great defense? I don't. I've said that all year. Uh, I, I haven't. I wasn't on board with the. Uh, this is a special. This is an elite defense. It it's, didn't look like Georgia uh, two years ago to me. It's not that level. Um, but uh, Kansas State hasn't played. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Def Troy State's the highest-ranked defensive team Kansas State's played this year, for one. Two, teams can run the ball on, on Kansas State. Uh, Kansas State's not big up front. They may be active. They're not big. They're not a big defense. Um, you have a chance to run the football. Um, Oklahoma State ran the football very effectively, effectively. And by the way, guys, if Ollie Gordon goes and gets 200 yards on OU this week, he's going to steal Jonathan Brooks's Dope Walker Award. FYI, the way if Oklahoma State wins and Ollie Gordon has another big game, that dude's going to be the front runner for the Doke immediately. He's had two 250 yard games in a row and they're winning. But I, you know, Kansas State. It's to Bobby's point. I mean, if you if you knew if, if Quinn was playing you, I think you'd have a better idea of what you're going to get from the quarterback position. But I think you can run the ball in Kansas State. To me, the whole key. Um, the whole key is Texas stop is, is stopping the run on first down. The one thing where Kansas State can really beat you and make it a long day for Texas, and Rod and I were talking about this yesterday, 
Like that BYU nine-minute drive they had, Wyoming had one of those. K-State has the ability to have two of those in a game. And if Kansas has two of those drives in a game, you're going to look up in the, at the late in the fourth quarter and you're only going to have 22 minutes of offensive football time of possession if you're Texas. That's the problem. You can't allow them to have two long drives, sustained drives. With this running clock, man, they're going to choke that clock on you and you're not going to have many possessions in the game and that puts a lot of pressure on you. But I think there's a path. I think, I think Texas can win this game. I, I think Texas can, if Sark will commit to it, I think they can run the football effectively. Um, I, you know, Oklahoma State used a bunch of trips formations. They got a man-to-man matchup on the opposite side. They worked that. They made a, a, a K-State declare the difference for K-State now versus that game. They weren't playing Avery Johnson, um, and and so they had three interceptions on the road. Um, and, and Oklahoma State had a pick six. But there, Texas can. There's ways Texas can win this game, guys. I, I I definitely believe that. I think I think Texas is the better team, but are they going to be on Saturday with quarterback two? I don't know. I want to say this. I, I, y'all see the scroll down at the bottom. I I, I think ta- I can't take talent out of that. By the way, Xavier Worthy is talented, talent and his talent is yeah. part of the reason why Texas has a chance. Jonathan Brooks is talented. He's part of the reason why Texas has a chance. So I, I want to say something. I, I, the scroll at the bottom here. The Big 12 standings, uh, just a, a peak uh, this this time. About We're just past the midway point of a conference right now. The newcomers to the Big 12 that uh, Brett Yormark was so happy about, they are currently 3-17 and 17 in conference play. Ouch. What do you think that says about their former conference? 3-17. and 17. Houston has the only win. Uh, against West Virginia, uh, that's they're one and four. BYU is two and three, and one of their wins was against a former Conference USA member. Nobody else. Cincinnati, UCF, over. Basketball matters. Basketball conference after this year, Bobby. Uh, uh, it, t- my point is, talent does matter. Talent when does, I'm talent saying matters. all of that, yeah, because uh, those had those teams faced a uh, large upheaval in talent Cincinnati is just two years or three years away removed from competing in the college football playoff guys yeah let's not forget about that very true you want to know why you want to know why those teams are are lightly regarded well they just made a step up and they're currently three and 17 yeah it's crazy all right, y'all, we got two more Super Chats we got to get to. One of them's a comment from UT Boy. He says, good morning, fam. Hook them. Big game Saturday. Thank Big you. Big game Saturday, UT Boy. <laughs> and then Alex with the Super Chat. He says, can y'all give us an update on Akana? You know, he's traveled a couple places, Jerry. and that, that So he's on, the, he's on the travel roster. I just think he's back in the pack right now. Um, I mean, you're going to play him ahead of Jamon Tapp? Um, you're going to play him ahead of Jet Bush. You're going to play him. I mean, I, I just feel like, you know, they Texas hasn't had, other than last week where they had a, a little bit of a blowout, they haven't had an empty the bench type defensive game uh, until really fourth quarter. So that's, I saw Leonga LaFau in the game in the fourth quarter, by the way. So that's different. But um, I didn't see uh, Akana or some of the other young guys. Yeah, Akana Akana's got to add. He's got to add some mass to that frame. 
uh, long term. I mean, I, I think that's going to kind of be the key for him. Um, he's an older freshman, you know, not uh, 19 plus years old when he enrolled at Texas. So, um, you know, he's got to add some weight to that frame and become more than a designated pass rush specialist moving forward. All right, guys, this next question is from E. Kim, and I like this question. Morning from a cold Rockford, Illinois. In y'all's opinion, out of, you know, the portal takes so far this season, who has been the best for Texas? He personally feels like it's Ryan Sanborn. I, it's look, I mean, he's no third team. I'm going to say no, right? Third team All American level guy, but AD Mitchell's your number one guy out of the portal. Um, but Sanborn's up for number two, let's say, in that group. I would agree with that. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. But the crazy thing about Sanborn, he, you know, he has a better chance to be a third team All American than AD Mitchell does. Yeah. But AD Mitchell's the bigger get out of the portal. No doubt. I agree. That's a great way to put it, Jerry. And I understand where Ekim is going with it because that was an under-the-radar take, kind of like Gavin Holmes was an under-the-radar take, if that makes sense, out of the portal. Uh, But A.D. Mitchell, he impacts every offensive play to some level. Uh, We're going to jump over to some Kansas State questions. This first one from Chuck Mason. He says, is this Kansas State team better than last year's team? Defensively, no. Offensively, maybe different because of two quarterbacks. Uh, they're not better at running back. Deuce Vaughn's better player than what they had. Uh, they're different, but they're not better. Um, defensively, they're not as good. The defensive end was really good. They, had, they lost some good secondary players. At wide receiver, I don't think they're as good either. But they've got they- one. They've got the the. I agree with this. So I'm I'm gonna. I've watched three Kansas State games this year. Um, the running backs are different. They can carry a heavier load. Deuce Vaughn's not a between. He, he got hit. He went down. He made you miss more frequently, frequently right. than DJ Giddens or Treshawn Ward do. But Treshawn Ward and DJ Giddens are going to be long-term, more typical high-level backs. They're both good players. Um, uh, the, the other issue, they lost Kurt Warner's kid at receiver, Jerry. Yep. And he was a perfect complement for Will Howard. He was always the guy coming back to the ball. He was always the guy that was you could rely on to be on the right place, right down. I mean, make a difficult catch. He was just a baller. They don't have that. They have Phillip Brooks, who's a flyer and has good hands and will make plays against Texas. So they've struggled to find that second true receiver opposite him that really helps the, the passing game out. Ben Sanat. Uh, is the tight end that will run vertically on Texas and be open. He'll run out routes, uh, try to move the – he's a move-the-chain type guy. He's a good blocker as well. Um, where I think they're better, I think they're better on the offensive line. They're older, and, more experienced. Yeah, and I think also I would add this. the the with the with In the absence of having that second receiver, having the option game with, with Avery Johnson gives you another element for people to prepare for, another element – to be able to stretch the edges of a defense that they wouldn't necessarily have with Will Howard. Um, so I, I think offensively they're more versatile for sure. Like they can poke and prod five or six different ways on you. Defense, to Jerry's point, they're much smaller. Uh, they they rely on disruption and big plays, uh, turnovers. Um, they do play together as a unit. You know, that's a hallmark of uh, – those defenses at K-State. So, you know, look, I think Texas has a chance to win this game even with uh, even with 
uh, Malik Murphy uh, only in his second start because Texas should be good on both lines of scrimmage and force K-State to pass enough and to prove their they have improved as a passing team outside of Sanat and, and Phillip Brooks. I guys, this next question, and y'all can correct me if I'm wrong, but we won't get an update. Except James Courtney says, late to the party, any word on KSU injuries? Don't they have their press conference today? today? Yeah, okay. it's today. I've not heard anything on K-State injuries. So stay tuned for that. We'll look into that and have that for tomorrow morning for sure, guys. Definitely. All right, then this next question from Zane Petty. He says, we are favored in this game. Why all the fear of Kansas State? They are not special. Bobby? Uh, I, I can tell you, but, but look, why the fear of K-State? When's the last time Texas has only been single-digit favorites in a game? OU, right? Double-digit double, uh, double digit favorites, BYU, double-digit favorites, uh, University of Houston, uh, single-digit favorites against OU, uh, Kansas, double-digit favorites, uh, Baylor, double. Look, Texas has only been single-digit favorites, I think, Three times this year. This is the third time. That's why. And we're in the we're in the ninth game. Texas is seven and one. So of the of the nine games, only three have been double digit favorites. Are not been double digit favorites. Alabama, OU, and now K State. That's why all the the cause for concern. This is going to be expected to be a tight game by Vegas. And Texas, you know, they're one and one in tight games this year. And look, and, and, and made the, a couple games that weren't supposed to be tight, tight. And, and for Kent, for Kleiman, it's a great coaching week for him because they're on a roll, but he gets to sit there and tell his guys, I think they're a little healthier at cornerback now. They lost some line, a couple linebackers before the season, early in the season, but I think they're healthier at cornerback now. Um, but, uh, you know, Kleiman's got a great coaching week because he gets to go to those guys and say, look, we hadn't beat an opponent on the road with a winning record. It's put up or shut up time. Y'all want it or not? That's the next step for our team this year. And he can tell those guys all week, we lost at Missouri. We lost at Oklahoma State. This is our chance to show people that we're we're sending. We're headed. We have gotten better this year. We're improving to go get that marquee win this season uh, and, and give us a uh, and give us some uh, positive juice here the rest of the way. That's what he's going to be telling us, guys, this week, aside from going there and physically be the most dominant team on the field. All right, Bobby, before we move on to the next question, I'm going to let you tell everybody about today's other sponsor. Yeah, guys, if you don't know about it, we've been talking about it almost all season long. It's Game Time, the app. Uh, it is the fastest-growing ticket app in the country, uh, and for good reason. You can get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. And it's absolutely perfect for last-minute decisions. Uh, World Series, guys, uh, you know, you might want to think about it last minute here. I know people uh, trying to get tickets, et cetera. The great thing about it is you can actually see where your seats are in the in before you even buy them. So you get real live images of the view of what you would see. Uh, game, game time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports. Music, comedy, and theater events near you. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through email. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code ONTEXAS for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code ONTEXAS for $20 off that first purchase. Uh, download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, 
guaranteed. I've used these guys before. I have the app on my phone. Uh, we'll I, we'll see we'll see uh, what happens here with the Longhorns and bowl games, but I may be using them again. Okay, let me get rid of this real quick and thank you to Game Time. Uh, but this next question is another super chat, and once again from Jay Lee. So I want to thank Jay once again. He said, didn't you all expect us to get more from receivers this year? It's been worthy, Mitchell, Sanders, and a running back. Basically, one more than last year. Yeah, I think Whitt- I think Whittington what on pace for a 500-yard season. But I, the reality is Sark doesn't rotate a lot of guys traditionally at that position. Um, so I think it's probably about statistically what – we thought it would be right. I mean, now with Quinn going down, some of those guys are going to go under. One of the things uh, we said was JT Sanders would have less catches and possibly more production this year. It's just that seems, considering he's been injured, that seems to be on track. Uh, but Sarta, he's not going to rotate a lot of wideouts. That's just not, if you look at the history of him, that's not what he does. Um, so I think if you're looking at it uh, by game 13, What's Worthy going to have? Almost 1,000 yards. A.D. Mitchell's going to have, what, 700, 800 yards by that point. Worthing, Whittington over five, around 500. I mean, the backs have caught the football more like the U of H game than I think we probably figured they would. I want to say this. Uh, I just remember specifically in the preseason, back in the summer, Jerry, when we were doing a, a lot of live streams, people would say, well, how many 1,000-yard receivers are we going to have? You know, you know, it, it's clear to me that that is predicated somewhat on how good your quarterback is, how good your offensive line is in, in pass protection, and how good and how much Steve Sarkeesian is pushed to go away from the run game because he likes to run the football. I mean, we can talk all we want about this, but he believes in that 50-50 kind of approach. And so all of a sudden him going heavy pass game this isn't, and furthermore, these receivers, as good as I think A.D. Mitchell and, and Xavier Worthy are, they're, they're going to be NFL football players. There's not one of them that's Jalen Waddle or Devontae right. Smith. No. Um, and so those guys are, are kind of special. Uh, and so I would, I would, uh, I would caution that, that all of those guys got to remember, oh, they're going to have a thousand yard receiving years back then that people were saying, oh, they're going to be two or three guys with thousand yard receivers. May not be one. Um, and, uh, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. I do think Jerry, and I'm going to say this and get your take on this. I think the type of defenses you see in the big 12 now that are built to stop the pass that those are going to go by the wayside when you go to the sec because sec defenses are built to stop the run. So in the sec, you better bring your a game in the passing because they're going to stop the run. Just like the NFL typically stops the run, the sec for the same reason typically stops the run. So you better lean on the pass. Well, I, I'm interested. I agree. 100% agree with Bobby. I've also been thinking about this because uh, you and Rod have mentioned that a couple of times. I'm interested to see if anybody with their big defensive fronts tries to defense Texas the same way that some of these big 12s are. They're going to be like, hey, we got three NFL guys. All right, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna run the flyover against you and see what you can do with it. I don't think so. I think it's too egotistical man-on-man Here's our athletes. Here's our eight draft picks driven. Um, like Will Muschamp and Georgia don't have to do that to play you really well. Uh, but I wonder if at you know the old misses of the world, you might see some of it. Ted Texas plays at Vanderbilt next year. Right. Why wouldn't Vanderbilt do it? 
I would. I mean, I, I get that. I mean, I just. But but when you when Florida and LSU's Georgia, not breaking out the three high. No, no, no. In Florida, Georgia, when they roll the town, probably not against you. No, they, they could care less. We're gonna go play our game. You play your game. Let's see how it rolls. Hi guys, we're gonna take a quick break from football real quick. The Longhorns, of course, ranked number eighteen in basketball. They uh, had an exhibition game last night against St. Edwards. Jerry, I know you caught that, and Ryan Nelson wants your thoughts on it. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, look, they didn't really come out to play the first half. They were down seven, and then uh, RT got up in, uh, in in their crawl, let's use that word, um, and and then they came out and did what you thought they would do in the second half. But, look, Caden Shedrick and Disu didn't play. Um, and the, the big key for Texas, I think Shedrick has a chance to play in the season opener, if not the next following week. I think Disu's in December. I think he's starting to jog. He's They're not going to rush him, though, because they're looking at – Mid-December, January, February, March with him. They they know if they can get Shedrick back here in the next week or so, then him and Anyim that rotate at the five, then Brock Cunningham and Mitchell rotate at the four, and they can play a little bigger at times on the wing uh, with a Mitchell or with a Cunningham, depending on how teams defense them. I think the guards are really good. Um, I, here's the thing with Texas. 30 31% from three are going to be your off nights. And I'm not saying they're not going to have one 20% shooting night, but this is a really good three-point shooting team. Um, so it, 30% are going to be your off nights. Your good nights are going to be threes and bunches with this team. But for them to maximize, they need Shedrick. They need a little more rim protection. They need a little better rebounding because if they do, they're going to run. And with a team that shoots it this well, they're going to get threes in transition. And right now, they're not getting enough of those threes in transition because they're just down their best two bigs. I mean, you take two bigs off your team, your best two bigs off any college team, and and they're, they're going to struggle a little bit in rim protection and rebounding the basketball. But I think that team's upside is really high. I, I, nothing last night changed my opinion. I like what they're doing offensively. They just got to get healthy. Chris Johnson's injury worried me last night. I'm hearing it's ankle. Um, I, I was worried that, man, that didn't look good. I was worried it could have been a foot or something, uh, but they're saying it's ankle, so hopefully he's not out too long because he's a key He's key in being a guy off the bench to run the team so that uh, Tyrese Hunter and Acemus don't get worn down as the season moves along because, I mean, those guys are going to have to play 33, 34, 35 minutes a night. Uh, they don't want to have to play them that every night early in the season. All right. Well, we're going to jump back over to football, and we have a super chat, guys, from D. Herring 5. And he says, what do you expect personnel-wise on defense this week? I know Catalan's week-to-week, but is he expected to play? That can make a huge difference. I just don't think he's – unless Sark is really playing coy, it doesn't sound like he's playing this week. Um, uh, Sark has been pretty transparent about injuries this year, I would say. You know, I mean, he was talking about when Cedric Baxter wasn't healthy. He's practicing. JT Sanders is practicing. Um, so – for him to put catalog in, in the week to week with Quinn and Ethan, who we know uh, Ethan Burks out this week, that that tells you Catalan's probably not playing this week, and that and that's unfortunate because I think he's a difference maker in this game. Uh, Bobby, I know you have something that you're wanting to to talk about. I read this uh, yesterday, and I forgot to. I, I wanted to mention it uh, somewhere. The the NFL yesterday sent the Houston Cougars a assist over the use of the Columbia blue uniforms. Look, I mean, I get it. It was an homage. Here's the idea. 
if that would have just been an homage to the Oilers, love you blue, and then you couldn't go out and buy the uniforms to make money afterwards, then I think it, I think the NFL would have been fine with it. The fact that now people are taking it and selling it, that does cross the line. Uh, but the NFL had to get involved and say, no, University of Houston Cougars, you don't own the Columbia blue with the red stripe that uh, that the, the Oilers used to. The Oilers still own that, which is now the Tennessee Titans. I felt like that was, uh, I mean, you know, when we have to bicker about stuff like that, it just seems silly uh, to Jerry's point. Uh, but uh, here's my here's the Cougars my, got slapped down. I don't mind it. I mean, here's I, my here's my issue with it, and I get what Bobby's saying. The NFL TV contract is 110 billion dollars from 23 to 33. Hey NFL, I don't want to give you the middle finger, but I hope U of H does. <laughs> they won't. They they should. No, they shouldn't, Jerry. I mean that that's that, that's owned by somebody else. That's like saying if somebody took on Texas football and made it their own one day. And not that it's going to matter, but in that regard. Yeah, but, but, so where are you going after next? Iowa? Anybody that looks like Pittsburgh Steelers? I mean, where's where, are you starting? But the, the Iowa didn't change its whole uniform. The, U of H is not a blue. Blue is not in their color. It was <laughs> I a straight it. ripoff. I, and it, it. I thought it was nice to have an homage to, tech, to the yeah. Houston Oilers. But then to go and, and market it as yours – Etc. You know, that's that's that was that's where it went too far, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, it, it did look cool. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> All right, this next question, guys, is uh, from Corey King, and he says, "Good morning, fellas. Will the move to the SEC change the yeah. where everyone's Super Bowl narrative that we experience in the Big Twelve? Of course, outside of the three main rivals, every game will be tougher physically." That's number one. Every game will be more tough physically than what we see right now uh, in the Big 12. Uh, what won't happen is Florida's not coming in here and thinking, oh, my God, we got to play Texas. Let's get up for Texas. Because next week, Florida has LSU. And then they have Georgia. And then they got to go to Tennessee. And then Alabama or Auburn. It's just a different animal. Um, and I, I think it absolutely does take that target off of Texas's back unless Texas ends up being a 10 and two team. And then that target, everybody gets up now for Georgia, right? Theoretically, even though they're not the team or not their rival. Um, Texas would have to have that kind of dominance. Everybody circles Alabama, for instance, right? Uh, on their, on their game. I, I will say this, I will say this and we'll see what happens and I'm not, you know, but it goes up a level for Texas if Arch Manning's the starting quarterback. Oh yeah, I was I I was at lunch on Sunday. That's I was at it, lunch on Sunday. It's gonna go to another level in SEC land. I was I was at lunch on Sunday in a fairly like not a nice nice place, but a place that you had to wear a college shirt. Okay, yeah. or you should, you know, can't wear shorts. And uh, I walk in there, and me and my wife, we sit at the bar just to grab some lunch, uh, quick lunch or whatever. And this lady looks at me and I'm wearing uh, a, a Texas, my Texas gear, the long sleeve uh, thing I got from uh, uh, 40 Acres Apparel. And she looks over me and she turns around and she has a Rebel shirt on it. How come Arch didn't play? <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> they, they were, uh, they were, that, it's very interesting. There's some, uh, there's some tie in there. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, somebody's asking about the Florida loss to Georgia help with Wardell Xavier. I don't, I look, I remain the same. I don't think any one loss, uh, uh, is hurting Florida. I think if Florida six and six at the end of the year, uh, that would mean six and six two the first two years in Napier. And then looking at the 24 schedule, I think that's what hurts them. I don't think any one loss now, Look, Florida's got a must-win game Saturday, though. If they lose to Arkansas, they're gonna pro- they, good chance they go six and six. You know, so they can't lose to Arkansas. Arkansas just fired its offensive coordinator. I mean, you wouldn't Arkansas think- put up three on the board against uh, Mississippi State. I, I know. I, I you wouldn't think, but that's why it's a must-win game. If you do, then you're going six and six, and then recruiting becomes an issue for you, right? Arkansas I mean, lost to BYU. I know. Arkansas gave up 38 points to BYU. Yep. I am. There's no chance Arkansas beats Florida. I wouldn't think so. That's <laughs> no, why. It's I mean, what are they going to do? That's why it's a must-win game. <laughs> you never I know, Bobby. I mean, Arkansas right now is. I mean, I'm not trying to be belittle them because I, I just think they've played close and lost. But yeah, yeah, but they've lost. But the yeah. problem is the problem for for Florida. This is the last game you circle and say should win. After that, they have. At, what is it at Ole Miss? Oh, no, at Missouri, at LSU, and Florida State at home. So Those this are three the, losses. Yeah, this is the if, last. If, if Missouri doesn't get, if Missouri doesn't get decapitated against Georgia first, right, and lose their quarterback, their running back, their wide receiver, because Georgia comes out and smacks them in the mouth. Yeah, but this is the last game you circle as because the other two are on the road, and then FSU is just better as the game they. It's the should win game, right? And if they lose this game, chances are they go six and six and they have issues because then the kids, even what Florida's done smart though in recruiting, I talked to Keith Niebuhr, uh, Gators online about this, is they haven't set unrealistic expectations with this class. They were smart. They're like, we're in a rebuilding process here, guys. We're, we're not, so they're not sitting there telling guys, year two, we're about to take this thing up a notch. Year three, we're competing for it all. They haven't set their tables like that in recruiting. I think they're still selling, come in, help us uh, build this thing, and you have a chance to be a part of it with instant impact playing time. So that is what Texas is uh, battling. I think it's two different recruitments, though. Xavier Phil same from Orlando. Mom lives there. Dad lives in Texas. Uh, he's visiting USC this week, and I still think he'll go to Texas or Florida. I think Texas has the best chance to flip him. I should probably shouldn't say it at the NIL day and age. Should have the best chance. Uh, but Wardell Mack's interesting because the two times I've been to Marrero era, he really likes the idea of living in the state of Florida and going to college. I don't blame him. I've lived there. It's an unbelievable place. Uh, so he, I think he's kind of enamored with being in Florida. He likes the state of Florida and playing football there. So Texas will have to. Gainesville is not what no. I consider Florida. No. no, I mean no offense. I, I, I hear you, but Gainesville ain't Jupiter. No, it ain't my. It ain't. No. It's not Fort Lauderdale. It's not even Jacksonville. Yeah, it's just interesting though when you talk to him. I mean, Florida State, Florida. He's just he just likes the idea of being in Florida. They're, they're interior cities. They're not <laughs> different strokes for different folks, Bobby. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. You know, you'd have. I'd have to be making a lot of money to live there or be from there. Uh, guys, so last week Ted Apare posed the question, and we got to give him a little credit here because he talked about tw- twenty-one personnel. If I can bring the question up, I don't he know did. why it's not showing up. Uh, I don't know why it's not coming out. I'm just going to read it. Ted Apare says, did you guys see Sark run some 21 personnel to put on tape? And 
Were you all surprised by the three-back diamond formation? Hell yes, I was surprised by that. Weren't it? Wasn't everybody else? Well, welcome addition. Welcome. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody else was. I love what they ran out of it too. The little yeah, play to Keelan Robinson with all everything else going left. Um, uh, I I think that uh, you know, Rod Babers will say this a lot. Um, t- teams that use a lot of two backs can confuse people about who they have coming out of the backfield uh, and what their responsibilities are, especially if they cross especially if there's a fake. Um, I feel like, look, anything Texas can do within the scheme of the offense and not confuse Malik Murphy, yet confuse the defense right now, is going to be welcome. Um, Because they're going to need little edges like that with the backup quarterback. You're still in this, like I don't, I expect Malik Murphy to improve, right? Everybody does and should from game one. Now, he may not do it against, you know, Kansas State. I don't know. I mean, we've got to play this game, see how his trajectory really is working and his confidence. Uh, but you're going to need little edges like that, right? They need more of those little edges, by the way, in the red zone. That, that's where I would challenge Steve Sarkis. You can't go with the red zone against Kansas State and come up with three points or zero points or whatever. It, they got to get in the end zone this week. By the way, uh, that 31 could be an effective way to run the football against that three high. Could be. It gives you a different look, and it forces those safeties' hands a little bit in a different way. Could be. All right. Well, we got to give him props because he called it before. I mean, I mean, I, I was I surprised by the diamond formation. Are you? That wasn't everybody else. Like I was like at first, I said, "What is that?" And then I, like, I, I had to rewind game. the TV. <laughs> Uh, I was like, the, I think that was the last time we saw it against Bama in 2022. Maybe. Yeah, I think so. Never know about Sark. A little bit of a mad genius in the, the football office. He's going to use this against three high in the run game, guys. Good. They need to. Anything. Like I said, just little edges. Yep. That's all we're looking for. Hi, guys. We got another super chat here. And once again, from UT boy, got to thank him again. He says, can Malik convert third downs to have those seven, eight minute, 80 yard drives? He didn't last week. Um, better defense, most likely. Uh, better secondary for sure uh, at K-State. Um, I don't know. I don't know. That's a that's the question. I, I, we, I don't have that. If, I, if, if we had that answer, Jerry, I would I would be I I would be very high on Texas's chances this week. All right, y'all, we got time for just a couple more questions. This first one is from TW262150, and he says, which players that are currently not starters or in the rotation for their position are likely to become that next year? Jonte Cook, uh, who's not a starter. Uh, DeAndre Moore, likely in the rotation, or Niblett. Um, I think you can look at those two guys. Um can Neto push his way in in year three? We'll see. Cam Williams will probably be the starting right tackle unless Brandon Baker's a special freshman coming in. Brandon Baker's working to be an early enrollee. He's still got some work to do there, but he's trying to get to Texas in January. I think it may be late in the game before it's known whether that can happen. Uh, defensively, I think Sadir Mitchell is a guy that's going to have to play more. Um 
I think Jare Bledsoe is going to have to play a lot more and be and be a pass rusher. Uh, I think Warren Roberson is a guy that you could see playing a lot more, whether that be at safety, whether that be at star, whether that be at wherever he finds his home. I think he's just got that toughness. Um, and I'm I've got to- I've got a couple, Jerry. Linebacker. Jay, oh yeah, Jay, but I don't know that they're necessarily – they may go to the portal for a linebacker, yeah, a, an upper-class linebacker. We'll see. Uh, Jalen Gilbo and Derek, Derek Williams. Yeah. They're they're right now currently second team, but yeah, I think Gilbo has played well enough to probably be the, the incumbent there following Jade Barron. Okay, guys, with the college football playoff rankings coming out later today, we're going to close on two of those related questions. Not political, just a real. It says, Jerry, Bobby. Do y'all think our win at Bama is better than Washington's win over Oregon? Personally, I do. Washington was a home favorite. He's argued with people for days over this. What y'all think? I'm not in love with Washington like a lot of people are. They're struggling defensively. Yeah, I'm not. So I want to say this. I think that, I mean, Washington almost got beat by, or excuse me, Oregon almost got beat uh, by uh, Texas Tech. Yeah. So let's, let's put this in context. Um, I feel like, uh, you know, the, the almost though mean is meaningful. Bo Nix is a good player. He's not, he's a good college quarterback. He is not a great college quarterback. People trying to label him as a Heisman front runner. I, I, I get the numbers stack up and all that stuff, but he's just, you know, he's just a guy. He's, he's, he's better than just a guy, but he's not the guy. He's not a stud. Um, I, I think that, that Texas win over Bama is better than Oregon's win over uh, or Washington's win over Oregon. I think headed into this weekend, it is. Let's see LSU Bama. Bama's LSU is going to score. LSU is going to score. Then number one offense in America. Who would have thought that going into the season? By the way, I so Alabama. Uh, I don't know if LSU can stop anyone. That's going to be the issue. But but it is it. If LSU can get that into a shootout, is Alabama prepared yeah. to win 41-40? No, they're not. That's the problem. Nick knows that. He doesn't yeah. have overwhelming talent on offense anymore. And then last question for today, guys, and it's from Jason. And he says, has the Big 12 improved enough that strength of schedule for Texas will put them in a legitimate conversation for the college football playoff should they win out? Yes, because Texas beat Alabama. Yep. It's not about the Big 12 strength of schedule. I mean, at some level, that win is the best win, non-conference win for anybody all year. The only yeah. are, are the only non-conference win for sure. It, look, the only bigger win, if you look at everything right now, I think is Ohio State over Penn State and then Washington over Oregon. That's it. Those are the only other two that compare. Yeah. All right. I lied. I got one more question because I meant to ask this earlier from Zane Betty. He says, is this game a de facto Big 12 championship game? Basically, the winner of Kansas State, Texas, goes on to the Big 12 championship game. Uh, Kansas State has to go to Kansas the second the last weekend of the year. So, you know. They're going to beat Kansas fairly handily. They should because they run the football so well, right? Yep. Um, I mean, we don't know. Is Jalen Daniels gone? Is he never playing football again? We just don't know, right? I mean. Um, but they, so they have Kansas, they have Kansas at Kansas and Iowa state to end the season. Um, their last two games, Texas has two road games coming up plus Texas tech. So is it de facto? I'll say this. If Texas wins, I think they're going to the big 12 championship game. I agree with that. I think this is the one that buoys you the rest of the year. 
to hyper into hyper focus. If they can get focused for this one, they're gonna and, and win it. Texas is gonna be on a little bit of a roll and believing in themselves again. I think I think that the Texas at some level lost a little belief in themselves uh, after the the OU game, you know, and that that carried over to to U of H. Hey, real quick, guys, we got lots of people asking. Do y'all think Oklahoma beats Oklahoma State or vice versa this weekend? No, I don't think Oklahoma wins. I think Oklahoma's getting ready to go on a skid. Interesting, Jerry. Um, that's a coin flipper for me. Uh, I think. I think it's well. It's not going to be cold and rainy. So if Dylan Gabriel, we don't know if he's hurt or if he just has tiny hands. So Bobby Petronic said, if he's got eight and a half inch hands and it's cold and it's rainy, it is hard to throw a football down the field. I've never. I, whenever I meet a quarterback, I generally I have nine and five eighths inch hands. It was measured at a Georgia football camp years ago uh, when I was doing national stuff. Uh, Mike Bobo actually measured my hand. I said, I, I want to know what my hand is, um, but. I haven't measured Dylan Gabriel's hands. I put my hand up against every quarterback I meet now, uh, but I don't know if that's Dylan Gabriel's issue. But if if that was an issue last week, it's not going to be that type of weather this week, by the way. I find it hard to believe Oklahoma, unless Danny Stutzman's out for a while, they don't come out really with purpose. But the problem Oklahoma has, guys, I think this crowd in Stillwater is going to be the craziest one of all time. I, I, I don't – I think – I think- I think uh, I think Alan Bowman Good is player. exactly the type of quarterback that hurts OU. Yeah, it's that old Texas Tech style quarterback um, that has given Brent Venables' defense his problems, and they have a big running back in Ollie Gordon that's just good enough. I think OU will be smart, and they'll they'll I I don't know. We'll see. I, that. That game, OU, I think OU is going to have to score 35 to win that game. Hey, by the way, if Oklahoma State wins this game, you know what their schedule is after? Oh, that? no, they're they're in. At UCF, at University of Houston, BYU at home. They're in. They're no, they're 100 percent in. Yeah. They've Bam. got the clearest path if they get by OU. Unquestionably. All right, Bobby, before we get out of here, I want you to let everybody know what's coming on on Texas football later today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, obviously, recruiting breakdown is going to be big. Jerry's going to talk not only about Dom McKinley, but also Elijah Lofton, guys that uh, Texas is pursuing heavily. Uh, Kobe Black, Justin Wells, I went in and saw him last week. So that's going to be on the recruiting breakdown around noon today. Uh, and then Tuesday night, we have our live stream, Jerry Rod Babers, hosted by Aaron Hogan. Uh, also, please remember uh, to uh, visit InsideTexas.com. Jerry's already posted a couple articles today. I think Justin Wells just texted me. He's got one getting ready to come up. Uh, promo code OTFIT23, $1 for two months. And remember to select the monthly offer to get that deal. If you're not already a subscriber at InsideTexas.com, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, you should be. Uh, by the way, the only thing, the, the one thing going in OU's favor the guy, Mike Gundy's a great coach. He's 3-15 and 15 against OU. Yeah, he can't beat the Sooners. Yeah, Boy, he was hot. I will say this. I want to add, he was hot as anything at the Big 12 media days about OU deciding to leave the conference and not play Bedden. I mean, he was – I mean, you could see it. It seeped through his skin. Yeah. His burnt skin that he has from being – I mean, he was, he was pissed. 
<laughs> all right, guys. Well, thank you all for tuning in. I got to put this comment up for you, T-Boy, real quick while I read all this stuff out. But thank you all for tuning in. Thank you uh, for all the super chats. We definitely appreciate it. Be sure to like uh, this video if you don't mind. Subscribe to the channel. Ring the bell so you're notified anytime a video is posted right here on On Texas Football. And then, as Bobby said, head on over to InsideTexas.com. Use that promo code if you're wanting to sign up and get, get in on that deal. And for Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. Happy Halloween. <laughs>